Highways Voices from Hamburg, the podcast of the ITS World Congress 2021. An event they feared might not happen has happened and happened in a big way. And there's still a day to go, so let's have one last rush around the ITS World Congress in Hamburg on Highways Voices, where today we talk fixing traffic jams before they happen. The Traffic Management Center can improve their decision making by having a reliable prediction. Technology keeping people safe. We make sensors and we're very proud that actually our radar sensors are both very reliable and very accurate. The first week under a new banner to explain to them what will be the combined strength of the group, where are we complementary, where do we have overlaps, discuss those kind of things. And getting road surface data in real time. I can show them their condition of the road from my laptop to an extent that they don't know exists. Plus Eric Sampson and Jakob Bangsgaard on Friday's Highways Voices. The official podcast of the 2021 ITS World Congress in Hamburg, Highways Voices. Before you last went out, did you check the weather forecast to see if you needed a coat or an umbrella? What if, as a traffic controller, you could check a traffic forecast to see if you need to tweak your traffic management? Well, with modelling company Aimsun, you can, thanks to the fusion of traffic simulation and real-time data. Senior product specialist Martin Hartman explains. We are going to give predictions to the drivers. So if I use your comparison about the weather, in this case, with traffic, we will tell basically the operating centre the traffic management center, how the traffic's going to look like in a well, next 15, 30, up to 60 minutes in a what we call a short-term forecast. How do we do it? We get a lot of sensor data from our infrastructure. We connect them to our tools, to the traffic management control center, and we use them to enrich our simulation, to enrich a traffic flow model that we have previously built. We build up on this layer of infrastructure data and we use them as input for predictions. There are two sorts of predictions. There is a data-driven prediction, or sometimes we call it an analytical prediction, and there's a simulation-based prediction. And they both have their peculiarities, but it's a, both a, source, a useful source of information for the traffic management center. So at the end of the day, the traffic management center can improve their decision-making by having a reliable prediction. Let me give you an example. There is a tunnel which might be closed thanks to either maybe a work zone that is planned in a regular maintenance period. Or there might be a non-recurrent event such as maybe uh, some unplanned uh, congestion. And we help the traffic operators to prepare for this event to develop strategies. And the strategies have typically some different response plans and to test these response plans before the situation happens. We do test these response plans in a simulative environment. We do this faster in real time. We are able to simulate a small to mid-sized city below five minutes and provide KPIs to the traffic management center on evaluation of the, each of the response plans. As a result, the operator can pick the best option at the very moment. And that is going to have such a major or positive effect on the environment. We want to reduce environmental impacts in our cities, in our urban areas, in our densely populated urban areas. And there's a clear motivation for the cities to do this. And uh, we provide solutions how to implement and deploy environmental-oriented traffic management. So we do this by attaching 
emission calculations to our traffic simulations so that the target of our strategies and response plans can be environmental uh, impact reduction. I'm sure that anyone who's running transport in a city listening to this is thinking, I want this product. How can they write their business case to prove that it's got value? So as we speak, we are looking at a what we call quality manager, which is basically a statistical evaluation of the quality of our prediction. We do compare the simulated and the observed flows of traffic and we see on the use case uh, of, uh, this is a project from Sydney in Australia, and we see on the, that the quality of the prediction is about 90, 92% points uh, for a short-term prediction in the next 15 minutes. That's fantastic, and of course what that means is that if you spot and you know there's going to be a traffic jam somewhere, you can mitigate against it, change signal timings, change VMS, get the message out, and therefore better manage the traffic and have cleaner air in your city. Brilliant solution, another great solution that we find this week here at the ITS World Congress. Martin from Ameson, thank you ever so much for your time. Yeah, thank you Paul, for having me, and uh, anytime let's meet at Congress and let's discuss. This podcast is brought to you thanks to the generous sponsorship of Swaco and Gevi. One of the things about World Congresses is that they're generally in great cities that you want to see, yet you spend so much time at the Congress that your experience of the cities is basically going between your hotel, the convention centre and then to a random restaurant in the evening. Therefore, people often think, well, I'll skip Friday and just have a day being a tourist and checking out the beautiful city I'm in. And I can see why in such a lovely city as Hamburg, that would be tempting. I'm going to have somebody here to suggest that you don't do that. Let's join Eric Sampson again. Professor Eric Sampson has been to every ITS World Congress and he's our trusted guide to the must-attend events. And it's the final day of a Congress. We wondered whether it would ever happen or not, and thank goodness it has Eric. Uh, how can you convince people that they really need to hang around uh, for Friday and take part in the event? I guess somebody very cynical might say well you, know, you don't save the best till last you wait until the busy sessions are over in the mainstream Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and then it tapers off. No it doesn't the wonderful thing about Hamburg is that we were oversubscribed with really good, strong presentations and papers. So on Friday morning, it's a limited duration session Friday morning before the closing, we've got some interesting papers. There's a technical paper session, Transport by Air and Water, and that's bringing the wet dimension to land transport plus the upstairs dimension, 3D urban air mobility. It's a mixture of the three. There's a special interest session on automated driving. Another one on support for multimodality. Now that's a business presentation. These are where companies uh, present their innovations and explain what it is they've done and convince you, the audience, why it's interesting, what's novel about it, it why is it more than just a product. So we've got quite a few business presentations coming on the Friday morning. There's managing the streets, deploying the new systems and getting and using data. So that's before we then have the closing ceremony, and that's the focus, in a way, of my day. I do a summary. I try to summarise in 10 minutes what has taken place in 200 and something hours of sessions, 
that doesn't include the exhibition, the demonstrations and so on. The full summary comes in a month's time or thereabouts when we publish the Hamburg Post-Congress report. That's produced by my fabulous team of rapporteurs. I just edit their material and it's published. I hope to get it out the end of November. Um, it may slip into early December, but that is the definitive record. So all I can do in the time I've got in the closing ceremony is just paint a picture. But there will be some interesting speakers in the closing. I've been associated with choosing them, so I can guarantee you that. And that's also, of course, the time that we find out who's won best papers and things like that. I won't name any names, but I will reveal that for the European best technical paper, the judges came to us and said, we've got a problem. Um, we said, what? And they said, we can't decide. We've reviewed all the papers. Two of them stand out from the others. We can't choose. So we said, well, don't. So there is a tie for the best European technical paper. Our marvellous scientific director, Bart van Arum, did find a clear choice for the best European research paper, and the other regions did the same. It's been a bit of a struggle getting some of the recipients actually in the Congress because of COVID travel regulations, but there will be some very happy faces when these awards are given out. Looking forward to it, Eric. As always, thank you very much indeed. I can't believe how quickly, as I always say this, the week has gone by. Next year, we'll have Le Trek to Toulouse, and we'll also be in Los Angeles and we'll chat at both of those on Highways Voices podcast. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Paul. Don't forget, no time to lose. Yeah, the jokes don't get any better, Eric. In a moment, the latest stories from Highways News HQ. But first, let's talk road safety with stopped vehicle detection. Sebastian Borkert is product manager at Navtech Radar, who explained to me what his product does. Our technology works using what we call frequency modulated continuous wave radar. What that essentially means is we have rotating radar roughly every 500 metres down the side of the road and we're able to detect not just moving vehicles like you'd expect from radar that people are used to on the roads. That might be your speed camera, it might be your red light camera, but actually we can detect stopped objects as well and especially versus the background we can identify them and know that something's amiss. So if I'm driving down the road and suddenly, I don't know, my fan belt dies and my car grinds to a halt very, very quickly, how quickly would you notice that I'd stopped? So we'd expect to notice it within 10 seconds. Uh, I think up to 20 seconds as a maximum, but the majority of ads in 10 seconds. So that then would automatically link to the warning signs going up, the red X above the lane, etc. You are finding those stop vehicles straight away. So am I right in saying that part of the criticism of smart motorways is the fact that actually your kit hasn't been used enough on the English road network? How it works from a kind of an integration point of view really varies. We make sensors and we're very proud that actually our radar sensors are both very reliable and very accurate. They've been used consistently for the last, well we've been around as a company for nearly 22 years now and been using them on the side of the roads for 12 years and in some of the safest regions so Sweden, Australia, undersea tunnels in Norway. What we're doing on the UK roads isn't new and whilst obviously we would advocate that on any road we're on, we're making the road significantly safer. In terms of how it's implemented and how it makes an impact on the road and what actions are taken, 
that's really up for the national authority to, to decide. From what I understand, it goes beyond actually stop vehicle detection as well. Your kit will, can be used to check tailgating, people driving in the middle lane when there's nothing on the inside lane, and I hate that. You can get more than just stop vehicle detection out of it. Absolutely, and it's actually something we're kind of we're pushing to try and get the message out a bit more that we are thinking well beyond stop vehicle detection. So, use a few examples of actually not just what's upcoming, but things we've installed in areas that aren't the UK. So we've got uh, existing examples of where we're counting vehicles, we're classifying them because we've got a 360 degree coverage rather than just along the length of the road. We can understand the kind of size, like you said. If our radars are spaced uh, close enough together, and that would be maybe 300 to 400 metres, we can get the definition of the road and so understand which lane a vehicle is in. Like you said, that can be used for kind of perhaps informing someone that they might not be driving sensibly. They might be sitting in a, in a lane where there's an empty lane inside them. But actually we're looking to some more edge ca- not edge cases, um, things that we wouldn't necessarily think of as being core to safety but really can have a big impact on the public so we're looking at pedestrian detection and harrowingly that's pedestrian detection in suicide hotspots so understanding when a vehicle stopped and somebody's got out their car for example on a couple of the bridges over the Manchester Ship Canal we're looking at that and wrong way driving and that's something we do wrong way driving in the Rifast Tunnel in Norway and it's something that has a, a huge danger because suddenly you're doubling your closing speeds and being able to understand and take rapid action because of that is, yeah, both something we we know we can do and we've proven we can do, but also something that we think will have an impact in the UK as well as abroad. The criticism of smart motorways, some of it, yep, the implementation of them in England could have been better, I think we can all agree that, but the concept behind the technology underpinning them, you can't really criticise in my opinion, and it does make my blood boil when the technology is criticised and then it becomes I think an attack on our industry and that is so unfair and makes me so angry that it's been great to have you on Sebastian to set the record straight when it comes to uh, stop vehicle detection and as far as I'm concerned mate keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. And Adrian Tatum's here now with the latest from Highways News HQ. So news from the highwaysnews.com website also from Hamburg ITS Europe has announced that current chief executive Jakob Bansgaard will be stepping down at the end of the year when his five-year contract is up he'll be replaced by Jus Phantom who is currently smart mobility director at the European Automobile Manufacturers Association back in the UK Midlands Connect is giving six local authorities up to £50,000 to develop the case for investment in local roads The investment will allow local council to assess the feasibility of key schemes in their area, potentially paving the way for government support. Also, lowering the motorway speed to 60 mile an hour is among the measures supported by the public in an effort to reduce carbon emissions, according to a new survey. Elsewhere, General Electric has announced a five-year $3.5 million investment in the UK as part of its Global Next Engineers programme to increase the diversity of young people entering engineering. You can watch a video on the highwaysnews.com website of a self-driving car navigating the Las Vegas traffic. The video, produced by Zooks, an Amazon-owned self-driving startup, shows how driverless technology has been applied to allow autonomous vehicles to navigate through the busy traffic in Las Vegas. 
Highways Voices from Hamburg, sponsored by Gevi and Swarko. You're listening to Highways Voices from Hamburg and the final day of the World Congress 2021. These podcasts are sponsored by Gevi and Swarko. And of course, this week, one of the things we were talking to Michael Schuch about uh, from uh, Swarko was the acquisition that the company made at the end of September of Dinic Mobility. So I thought I'd come and see how Dinic Mobility have uh, found their first week exhibiting as part of the Swarco family. And I'm with Jan Voss, who is CEO of Dinic Mobility. Jan, how's it been now being part of uh, the Swarco family? It has, of course, been a different uh, event for us. We have two separate booths. We didn't have enough time to merge it all together and uh, within this week and to have one booth. But to be honest, I have met a lot of new colleagues here. Uh, which was actually um, uh, quite okay and I met a lot of new folks that I didn't know. Of course, I knew a lot of people already from the Swarco Group. But one other uh, opportunity we had in this week was to talk to a lot of customers, to explain to them what will be the combined strength of the group, where are we complementary, where do we have overlaps, discuss those kind of things. And that was very productive. I was going to ask you, how many times have you had the same conversation this week with different people? A A lot. Yeah, but that, that, that's fine. I mean, that is fine. I mean, people generally have the same sort, same type of questions. Most people, to be honest, uh, very much see the rationale behind this, uh, this merger or takeover. Some people are a little bit worried. And I think that in a lot of cases, we have been able to, um, well, to give uh, comforting answers to them going forward. It's funny because when I've talked to executives from Swaco, it's become quite clear that this isn't one of those corporate takeovers where they just want to pull out the best of the assets and save as much cost as possible. They've bought your company's talent and expertise and they want to actually build the two products together. And I guess if you look at the Venn diagram of what Swarco does and what Dinic Mobility does, while there is some overlap in the middle, there's quite a lot which is extremely complementary. Exactly, and that, that, is, uh, that is also what we notice. Uh, so this, uh, I mean, we've been talking to them for months, of course, prior to closing the deal. But now that we are uh, part of the group, let's say that, that first uh, well, uh, two weeks, uh, I especially noticed what you were describing. I mean, this is, we are really going to take the time to integrate. Uh, we are going to take the time to really understand each other's assets, to understand each other's strengths and to make the best of both worlds. And if you talk about complementary, uh, I think we are, in, in terms of products, we are complementary. We have products that, that Swarco does not have, for instance, our inflow product. But also geographically, we are very complementary. So let's say, for instance, in the Netherlands, we are quite big. Swargo uh, is a bit smaller. In the Nordics, it's the other way around. So I think, uh, yeah, we, we are really complementary to the, to the Swargo group. This week, our podcast here from Hamburg have only been possible thanks to the generous support of Gevi and Swarco. And I guess when I say Swarco, I should also say Dinic Mobility. Thank you very much, Jan Voss, for joining us on the Highways Voices. And I look forward to working with you and chatting to you at events uh, in the months and years to come. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Earlier, we heard from Ameson about solving traffic jams before they happen. How about being able to fix roads before their condition gets too bad. Well, a new connected car solution from British company Gaist can help do just that. Asset safety manager John Swift takes up the story. What we do at the moment is we, we can take an annual survey. We've got other councils that do it biannually, post-winter, post-summer, but ultimately just say a year. 
So every year you've got 10 snapshots, which is good, don't get me wrong, and a lot of people see benefit of it. But what if you could get that granular data on a daily basis or even 15-minute basis? So now we're taking that to the nth degree of getting data which is coming from VW Group vehicles, and when you when you put them together, it's uh, those the six different groups. So that's the biggest catchment of cars we have in the UK, if not in other countries. So we we're collating two hundred fifty thousand bits of car data at the moment, and we're we're ingesting that at the moment to make it user friendly. Because believe you me, it is big data. You're getting data every fifteen minutes from every VW vehicle in the UK. I can show Scottish customers in Ullapool, Wick, Stornoway, I can show them their condition of the road from my laptop to an extent that they don't know exists. Does that mean that, for example, if there's a pothole on the road and a VW vehicle drives over it, the car will know it's just hit from shock absorbers or whatever, and that will report to you that there is a defect in the road. So rather than just waiting for somebody to report it or having to send vehicles out to, or humans out to look themselves, you're getting that information in real, pretty much real time. Well, the other thing to remember is, at the moment in the UK, and, and, and the progression is to a risk-based analysis, so do we need to fix every road? So that, that data helps authorities provide a risk-based assessment. Um, and we like to call them potholes. It could be an undulation on the road. It could be a speed bump. So you'll still get reflections from that. So, but over time, you maybe see a, a degradation of that road where the engineer then can make a decision of what to do. So it's highlighting them. So it's highlighting not just cracks or potholes or rough or smooth surfaces, We've also got the capability with these vehicles now to to understand slipperiness, so ice forming, etc., etc. So that's all can get fed back into winter authorities now who can actually make real-time decisions. And the reason why I, as an innovation specialist, like this is because it, first and foremost, our customers tried it. The Swedish authority in, have uh, have done this over two winters. They've saved 20% of salt. 25% of budget, purely because they could put the salt where it was needed, and in some cases, actually twice in the same area on the same night. Whereas at the moment, everything's scheduled, you can maybe divert a little bit, but the Swedish authorities were getting that real-time data to say, we've got a problem over there, let's address it. So that's using a risk-based approach to reduce salt, reduce cost, and aid the environment. John Swift of Geist on the UK Pavilion stand here in Hamburg. The official podcast of the 2021 ITS World Congress in Hamburg, Highways Voices, sponsored by Swaco and Gevi. So that's it from these Highways Voices here at the ITS World Congress 2021. I have to admit, I did wonder whether we would ever make it to Hamburg, whether I'd be able to get to Hamburg, uh, whether I would make it through the vast amount of paperwork to get to Hamburg. I did and I'm really glad I did and so the final word should go to the architect of the whole event whose team worked so hard Jakob Bangsgaard chief executive of Ertico ITS Europe uh, Jakob you look a lot more relaxed than you did when we uh, talked at the beginning of the week you should be very proud of yourself thank you thank you uh, it, I, I am extremely pleased with the, with the outcome of course we were hoping to have around 
5,000 participants here and the latest figure I got today was around 15,000. So uh, it was beyond all the, the wildest imagination that we had. We would have been more relaxed in the whole preparation phase had we known uh, the result. One of the shocks this week was that I heard that you were stepping down from your role at Ertico at the end of the year. Uh, your successor will take over at the start of 2022. But I think for somebody to then bid farewell to five years in an organisation with such a success as this, um, you're leaving on a high, mate. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I, 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 I'm really pleased to not to, to stop in the middle of a corona uh, crisis, for instance, but that, that we've stopped my 20 years interaction with Urgico with an event like this. Uh, this is a, will be a great time for me to look back to. I have had some fantastic memories and experiences with the Urgico partners, with the Urgico team, with the congresses. been in, involved in congresses for for all, more than 20 years and uh, it's been an incredible time of in my career and uh, I definitely will follow this closely also in the future and, and you, you will see me also in Los Angeles. That's great to hear and you've always been a friend to me both in my media work and my ITS UK work so Jakob thank you very much and congratulations again and that's it for this Highways Voices from Hamburg our first on the road series of specials for highways voices thank you very much for listening thanks to swarco and Gevu for their sponsorship and we'll be back to our wednesday podcasts from next week right here on highways-news.com highways voices from hamburg sponsored by Gevi and swarco